Want to stream cognitive dissonance to your Android or iPhone? Buy the app. Go to dissonancepod.com and click on the link on the right-hand side of the page. Each purchase helps support the show. Hey guys, it's Howard from Lansing. Uh, about the whole abstinence-only uh, program thing you were mentioning on the show, yeah, that is bullshit. And let me tell you why in the most terse way possible. I live in in a very small town in Michigan, as you know, and I have literally watched them in these abstinence programs just teach girls that that is based off that their work is based off the sex and that they shouldn't fuck around and they don't tell the dudes not to do anything and then you know I, w- I woke up one day and I realized that there were a bunch of kids in school and they had the same father there were like entire classrooms where there'd be several kids who were who all had the same father because you know People were fucking stupid, and no one told the guys to keep their pants. But you know, they shame the women, especially in the churches. It's it's fucking sad. So yeah, it's all bullshit. Glory hole, motherfuckers. Hi, uh, Tom Cecil. Yeah, this is Barbara Streisand from L.A. and um, <laughs> the movies and the records and then you know. Well, I'm kind of making a sandwich right now, but um, I'd like to give you guys a rendition of Glory Hole Jesus. I mean, you know, if you want to use it or whatever, just for your consideration. And, um, hold on, i got to put this mayonnaise down. Okay, here it goes. Who's that guy on the other side of the glory hole? It's Jesus. <laughs> well, there you go. I just had to give you guys a call. Love the show, Glory Hole. Bye. Hey, Tom and Cecil. Aaron from London here. Uh, two things. Firstly, it was a nice change to get someone competent on your program. A real scientist last week, Dr. Dave. Very good. Secondly, about the States. There's a lot of retards. There's a lot of idiots out there. And you guys do give me faith. So, Glory Hole. Bye-bye. advise that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. This is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome mat. This is episode 146 of Cognitive Dissonance. And we are recording this at uh, starting at 10.46 p.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> It's going to be a good one. This is our time to shine. I will point out, Cecil, that lately I have been going to bed well before 10.46 p.m. (laughs) Because I have been getting up at like 5 for the last week. So I am running on fumes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with the way your body metabolizes things, I assume you're running on fumes all the time. 
Yeah, no, fumes are what uh, what the rest of you have to run on when I exude yeah, actually. Them. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm basically running on biodiesel, actually. It turns yeah. out you can drink that stuff. It's a little harsh going down, but, you know, once you coat the belly with it, it's, it's pretty solid. So, Cecil, in, in, uh, in positive news, I just want to point out that uh, the foam for our uh, Glory Hole Studios is in, and it is beautiful. Uh, it's fucking awesome. These two, uh, I, I, I have to tell the story because it really cracks me up. These two boxes uh, show up, and box is the most loose term for what actually arrived in the mail. It was like the opposite of Amazon, right? Because like you get like a SD card from Amazon, and they ship in a box the size of a coffin for a fat man. It's like the size of your house. You <laughs> literally can't even get it in. They have to like... They have to like drop it from space with a parachute to get out of your door. One of the UPS trucks that has to beep when it backs up, drops it off, yeah. you know, like <laughs> just put it in a whole UPS truck and tape the back <laughs> and then they send it. But this, like I, we ordered, I, I ordered uh, uh, six, six by six foot panels of acoustic egg crate foam uh, to, to go in this room to cover all of the four walls of this room. Um, and I was real excited. I thought it was going to take like 14 days to process and it arrived in like five days. And when it arrived, my wife sends me this picture, like this weird boxes showed up. What is this stuff? So these boxes are like fucking held together by fucking spit and anger. Like it's just cardboard, <laughs> like wrapped together and like all taped crazily. And so I go to unwrap the first one. Like you, you cut open the box and it like immediately begins to like, bulge it's like like the box is like just barely containing it and as i unwrap this thing from its fucking layer after endless layer of saran wrap like it's like straining at itself it's it's fucking struggling desperately to get out and with the the cut of the scissors that finally uh released the egg crate foam wall fucking whatever and allowed air to rush in. That thing took on gargantuan proportions. It just immediately began to expand, like to the point where it's like that great stuff, like sprayed into a bucket, like bigger and bigger and bigger. (laughs) And all I could think is that at some point, someone's first day at work, you know, they were like, they handed him this tiny box and this huge thing of foam. They're like, all right, Billy, Stuff it in there. I, I, you know, you got to wonder how they actually do it. You know what I mean? Like they must have some sort of like, because I saw the, there's an unboxing. If you're interested, go to our Facebook page. Tom unboxes one of these things on video. And it's ridiculous the amount of fucking saran wrap <laughs> on that thing to hold it. You're spinning it for four minutes straight. <laughs> it was awesome. And then and then it just immediately just falls in and just starts opening. It's amazing that they packed it in. But, you know, it's funny because we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves in a way. A lot of the listeners may not have heard if they're not on the Facebook page. We spent last Saturday building a room, a small room in your basement uh, with some of the Patreon money. We spent uh, some of that money. We bought some lumber and we built a small room in your basement that you're going to be moving your studio down and it uh, it has a glory hole in it, so it's Glory Hole Studios, and it's going to have this egg crate foam on the side, and it's going to be a nice sound deadened room that you're going to be able to record from, and that's all from uh, donations from our listeners. And we are super thankful for everybody who's given to the show because it gives you an opportunity to get out from the top part of your house where all the people sleep 
and you record well into the night <laughs> and uh and it gives people an opportunity to sleep then so that's awesome and then we really want to thank everybody who donated because uh because you're the reason why this happened you never looked at the heavens everything in the heavens is here moving as the heavens move that's how i know it's coming how else can i make the prediction a thousand years ago there was a great conjunction three suns lined up another great conjunction coming up anything could happen the whole world might burn up the great conjunction is the end of the world oh the beginning so Cecil, the first story that we want to cover today comes from the Daily Mail, because that's exactly where a story like this belongs. Um, rise of the blood moons, rare alignments of Mars, Earth, and the sun associated with major religious events begin this week. It's the fucking end of the world, Cecil. It's coming this week. Oh, man. Look out. Did you notice it? Yeah, no, they, it's definitely coming. There's going to be, it says on the top, one of the many bullet points on the top of the article. Isn't so many fucking says, bullet points, you got to fucking change clips. It's like a goddamn PowerPoint. It says, next week begins the start of the Tetrad under the lunar eclipse. And I think that's when the planets turn into four tiny blocks. And they're in different <laughs> shapes. Like there's an L and they're like straight along. And then there's like a cube. And then there's the T1. That one is always hard to place too. That yeah, and you can't get the music out of your head. Like when the right, moon's yeah. aligned, you're like humming it yeah. gently to yourself. Boop, boop, moon, yeah. blood, moon. Fuck. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's the four blood moons followed by six full moons. And that's, that's when you know um, that that's it. Because some Christians believe that the Tetrad is a signal that the end of the world is nigh. Now, I want to point out, too, that one of the other bullet points is that this chance alignment has happened three times in the last 500 years. So at least <laughs> three <know>. times <laughs> in the last 500 years, the end of the world has been nigh and yet not been nigh. Yeah, well, the world, I think you realize this time the world's ended two other times. Duh. Yeah. Well, you know, nigh is such a relative term, you know, right, relatively right. nigh. You know who they're quoting in this fucking piece of shit article is John Hagee. Oh, my fucking <laughs> Did you God. See this? It says John Hagee, and I'm quoting from this Daily Mail article, uh, John Hagee, a Christian pastor who has written a book on the Tetrad called Four Blood Moons, Something is About to Change. <laughs> I love that. It says Tuesday night marked the dawn of a hugely significant event for the world. And then the reporters ask, um, Hagee, is there anything you could be more vague uh, about that? Right. Yeah. Hugely significant. Something events. is going to change. Well, you know, it does say, Cecil, in the book, the book of Joel in the King James Bible prophesied about the blood moons and the oh, end yeah, of the world. Yeah. It said the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord comes. And I'm thinking like, well, you know, guys. The moons aren't really turning to blood. Like, that's just a term we're using. Like, when we say once in a blue moon, like, the moon doesn't turn blue. <laughs> like, a blood that's moon true. is not actually going to be right. made out of blood. And if the sun turns black, like, if it's just like, well, there goes the sun. We don't need to worry about what the moon is doing. Right. <laughs> because we're all dead. Because the sun is gone. How would we know what color the moon was if the sun wasn't there to reflect it? Like, if it wasn't there to right. reflect the sun's light. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, you know, I kind of when I read this this quote from the book of Joel, I couldn't help but feel like didn't it feel sort of a little sexual to you? It's like the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. And before the great and terrible day, the Lord comes. I mean, I don't know. Like it just feels it kind of feels like the moon and the sun are kind of like maybe Jesus's anal beads. I don't know. That's just how it comes off. And I guess when they come out, uh, that's what we call Passover. I, I don't know. You know, it's not to be confused, by the way, with the book of Billy Joel, uh, which is right. oh, <laughs> just no. totally different. Yeah. Uh, very a lot less blood moons, actually. And this is this is great. It says at the at the most recent one in 1967, this is uh, one of the tetrad of fucking blood moons or whatever. Who cares? It says that the most recent one in 1967 uh, happened during the six day war between the Arabs and the Israelis. And essentially each one of these blood moons happened with some sort of conflict with Israel. And it's like, holy shit, Israel's going to have another conflict? Oh, oh my God, what? stop the presses. No, how could you say that? You know, it's funny, too. It's like, yeah, and then that one ushered in a six-day war. And it's like, wow, historically speaking, that's an irrelevant war. Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. Like a six, like the six-day war, it's like, it's not like the, you know, 100 years war, for example, which was longer. This is funny, too. It says on the second... Um, this is when he's talking about right in the middle of the Jewish holiday of Passover, I guess, when Jesus pulls out the anal beads. It says the second on uh, on October 8th occurs during the Feast of the Tabernacle. And the first thing I looked up was how to cook a tabernacle. <laughs> They're delicious. I was just you know. I was just not sure. I was like, how do you cook a tabernacle? The hard thing is picking one that's right. You know, they just don't have a good stock of them at my local store. <laughs> it's got to go to the tabernacle aisle. Right? It's so tough. And it's in the ethnic aisle. Right. You know, it's right by the the. Uh, matzah or whatever you know it's right by the kosher salt well what you got to get is it's it's really good when it's spiced with frankincense and myrrh that's yeah. delicious oh, yeah absolutely yeah, some, some yes. roast that's, tabernacle that's really with frankincense and myrrh fucking yeah, delicious no. just yeah. just something you, you shove it right in a lamb's ass and put it right, <laughs> right in the stove delicious in the name of jesus we speak that so Cecil, this story comes from aljazeera.com. Mexico carers? It's such a weird word. The way this is written is crazy. I'm going to read this. I know, yeah. Mexico it's Google translated gave children to religious sect. Um, prosecutors say 12 children that were under the temporary care orders uh, were handed over to a group, which then illegally adopted them. Basically, there were a bunch of kids um, which were just given to a religious sect to hang on to. Like, hey, can you hang on to my kids? And they're like, sure. We'll hang on to them. And by hang on to them, we mean steal them. <laughs> <laughs> it says here, like many of the recovered children, and this is from that Al Jazeera article, uh, they had been given to members of the evangelical sect called the Restoration Church through an adoption process of question legality. And I, you got to wonder how they got them. Did they like have an orphanage reward card that they went through and... You know, you swipe it at the at the at the counter and then you get extra orphans. Yeah, well, you, you, you your first six orphans you have to pay for, but the seventh one is free. Yeah, oh, it's like I it's see. like remember okay. like when Subway used to have that. Yeah, it's like sure. Yeah, they're like five dollar footwork. Right, exactly. I see what you're saying. Yes. 
what a weird thing. I mean, they, they clearly uh, just gave these children to this weird religious sect. Uh, and, and, you know, I think I think one of the in- interesting things about this story, um, you know, because we're just talking about fucking Pastor Hagee and all that garbage and whatever. And, you know, that's all bullshit. But this is something that people actually get hurt from. Right. This is, you know. You could have somebody run in their mouth about whether or not a fucking blood moon's going to happen and they're going to you're going to wind up they're going to make money off of it. You wrote a fucking book off of it, right? But here, here you know, and nobody should care. Right? I think that's the most important thing is that really nobody should care. The only only dumb people are going to buy the book anyway. But anyway, this this guy like they, these people wind up with these children, you know, children that are being supposed to be under care and then this weird religious cult comes up and like, "Yeah, we'll take care of them." And then they just disappear. You know, and and I think there's this level of trust that we have with religious organizations where they get this free pass. It happens in the States all the time. And Mexico is a highly religious country, too. And they just have this opportunity to walk in and, you know, hey, we're religious, so let us have these children. And somehow it's just like, no problem, fucking, what, you want paper or plastic? Right. You know, I it, it bothers me very much that religious organizations get this kind of benefit of the doubt. Um, that they just, that they just have like this de facto, like, we'll care for the children sort of like, oh, well, it's a church that's going to care for the, imagine setting up a private corporation that was just going to be like, yeah, well, you know, it's fucking umbrella corp. Give us your babies. Like nobody would do that. (laughs) Nobody would do that, Cecil. Right, right. But somehow it's like, oh, it's fucking Jesus corp. Give us your babies. And that works. Like somehow that's different and it's not different. Like there's nothing different about it. There's no oversight. There's lax. There's lax oversight, if any. The regulations aren't in place. People aren't like kids just fucking go missing, man. Like, hey, where'd that kid go? Oh, uh-huh. you know, like they found these kids. They're fucking adults now. That's how long it took for this right. shit to yeah. get uncovered. Like, it's not like they got away with it for a few hours. Yeah, no, these kids became, I mean, the, the kids come back and they're, 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 you know, they're grownups. You know, they're talking about, they found the first missing children in 2009. So this has been going on for a while, but you know, I mean, and you know, that tells you something when they're classifying the children as missing, there's some sort of problem, right? Cause it's not like, you know, when the, if the kids are missing, somebody's fucking looking for them, right? It's not like these are orphan kids that like nobody is looking for. These are kids that people are fucking clearly looking for. Like right. so, there's there's got to be something weird going on here. The shelter was raided by police in 2008, and dozens of children were removed from it. Yet later in the same article, there's a quote that says, "Today, the staffing and the procedures for the care of children in the government's temporary shelters continue to create conditions that make another Casitas del Sur case possible." Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is an easy thing to reform. This is. This is not a difficult thing to reform. Like, just don't give kids to unregulated church organizations. Who's that guy on the other side of the glory hole? It's Jesus. This story comes from the HuffingtonPost.com. Jesus People documentary sheds light on religious communities' darker stories. You know, Cecil, this would be just another... Um, you know, like creepy insulated cult abuses children and women story. Uh, if it wasn't for the fucking weird Jesus people, yeah. 
<laughs> They're calling themselves the Jesus people. They were. It reminded me immediately of the fucking weird Jews for Jesus that I met once when I was yeah, uh, yeah selling yeah. shit, and like people would come in with like, "We're the Jews for Jesus." And we're like, "I'm." That's very confusing to me initially. They're a communal group, right? Created in the, I guess in the in the seventies, where they essentially didn't like any of the free love stuff or any of that stuff that was going on, the drug culture, alternative stuff, and they just basically created this Bible-based communal thing. And so it's a commune, right? You go, you live there, you essentially just put all your money in this big com- communal pot, and then you live with the Jesus people, which you know. I mean, you know, to each their own. That's fine. If people want to live like that, that's cool. The problem, of course, comes, and I'm going to read this part. This is, again, from this uh, from this Huffington Post article. This is because some children are abused. It says, both lawsuits say the alleged abuse stemmed from part of the Jesus people practice of letting families with minor children share living quarters with non-related adults. Really? We're going to, I mean, you think that's a good idea? You know, I feel like, this is a way, this is the same thing that the, the Catholic Church went through, right? There's sort of a haven for pedophiles, you know? There's a way in which, like, there's an avenue in which they have a free reign to diddle a child. And so the fucking pedophile bat signal goes off, and then you get filled up with, you know, a bunch of pedophiles, and they come in and they start diddling kids, and then you have a bunch of fucking lawsuits because you guys did you guys thought, oh well, we're all Jesus, so we're all cool and nobody's gonna hurt anybody else. Well, too fucking bad. Somebody got hurt. And it's not a fucking, you know, it's not an adult who got hurt. It's an innocent kid who probably didn't choose to be in that commune in the first place. You put your kid in the harm's way in danger. And these people just fucking they they raped your child. I mean, this is that's that's clearly where, you know, we we're talking before about how religion gets a free reign when it comes to children. You know, this is another example of how people turn the other way because you happen to be religious. They think, oh, well, you must be a good person. Well, fucking guess what? That doesn't fucking, you know, that's not the seal of approval. You know, don't you think like when the, when this comes up the first time, like when the, when the pedophile like finds out, like, wait a minute, you'll let me do what? I can just... Fucking what? You'll let me do what? In the room? It's like it's like yeah. the fucking fat kid from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, like getting turned loose into that room made out of candy. It's like ah, it's all mine. Exactly. It's all mine. Like running around, right. like fucking slobbering on everything. It 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 really is unsettling, and I and I do think see so that like it does it. You know, organizations like this may as well put a call to action, you know, out to to weird, creepy groups full of fucking weird creeps. To be like, hey, we welcome you. And isn't it kind of funny too that like they're they organize this this Jesus commune as a pushback against free love, which is a bunch of consenting adults having sex with each other. And the right, problem that right. they create is this. Like the free love, fucking nobody's getting hurt from that. Like free love. Yeah, I totally had sex with that person. Now, you know, it really is no repercussions at all, actually. So we're going to take a short break, give you some information on how to contact and how to donate, and we'll be back right after this. If you would like to contact the show, visit the website DissonancePod.com for the links to the Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and email accounts. You can also call and leave a message at 740-74-DOUBT. That's 740-743-6828. Did you know that you can become a patron of the show? Go to Patreon.com. 
that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash dissonance pod, and you can donate to the production of Cognitive Dissonance on a per episode basis. If you don't want to donate money, please take a moment to give us a good review on iTunes or Stitcher, or tell a like-minded friend about the show. So to everyone who supports the show, glory hole. You fucking rock. So this story comes from Right Wing Watch. Steve Deese claims end of anti-gay sodomy laws led to fascism. Uh, fascism not actually included, it turns out, Cecil, because we You're don't right. live in a fascist state. So <laughs> it led to fascism, but there's not actually fascism, which I would think would be something of a downer for yeah. his argument. <laughs> One of the things he says, and this is quoting directly this fucking douchebag, Steve Deuce or whatever his name is, says, after being desensitized to homosexuality by popular culture for the past two decades, the American people were promised by the left that allowing the sexual revolution to reach its climax, hey, interesting word choice there, wouldn't change anything. Now that our brave new world of anything goes has arrived... The American people are beginning to realize this actually threatens to change everything. And I and I I got to stop here for a second and think, OK, so I'm a pretty socially liberal guy. I don't really care about, you know, we were talking uh, we were on a show earlier. Where we were talking about polygamy. I don't really care that people are polygamy or polyamorous or gay or transgender or any of the things that, you know, these people seem to have a problem with. Right. They They all seem to have a problem with. Um, that sort of thing. I don't care that people have premarital sex. I don't care about any of that stuff. The most sexually extravagant thing I do is fuck my wife. Like, that's all I do, right? So how exactly did this, you know, this, oh my God, anything goes culture, what has it done for me, right? What is it, how has it changed me in any way? It hasn't changed me at all. I'm still doing all the same things that this jagoff is doing, right? This guy, you know, what he's professing is what you should do is get married and have sex. Well, that's what I'm doing. So why is this any, and, and I, and I'm clearly still for all the things that he's against, but it hasn't changed my viewpoint at all. But don't you think you're missing the point a little bit, Cecil? Like as soon as the gays can, can get married, then that means that not only can you have sex with your wife if you want to, but then you can, you know, have sex with, with animals, right? And, and you can person, have sex I guess, with like, sure. statues. You can sure. do you can literally do anything and you should and nothing right. will hold you back from it. And that's the right. thing I'm that he's saying. I'm having sex right. with a lobster right now. I'm having sex with a right. lobster just, as we just speak. Just constantly fucking lobsters like right. I'll fuck any right. crustacean <laughs> that moves. <laughs> it doesn't matter, motherfucker. <laughs> Gives great claw. It's so funny cuz it's like it's like the people who are like, yeah, you know, you you fucking shouldn't do this thing and it's like, well then you don't do that thing. And then don't worry about what I do. It makes no difference to the rest of the world what other people do behind closed doors. It really makes no difference. Unless you're a fucking nosy sexual busybody. Like, that's it. Like unless Or right, unless you're right. waiting for some kind of social permission. I'm not waiting for social permission to have, uh, you know, uh, sex with another dude. So because I'm not waiting for social permission, my sexual life doesn't change at all. And that's the reality for fucking everybody. 
Because nobody is sitting around like waiting like, oh, man, I just the only reason I'm not doing fucking all of these crazy things is because I don't have social permission to do them. And the minute I have social permission, I'm going to start like fucking like just having sex with a fucking little red wagon. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fuck a little red wagon right in the axles. Like no one's doing that. A lot of these people seem to think that human beings are animals in a lot of ways. They're They're just just animals. They're just waiting to be unleashed. Right. But yet they don't think that, you know, evolution is a thing. Like, it, it just seems like such cognitive dissonance that all these people seem, have, seem to have all these conflicting ideas in their head about, you know, what's right, what's moral. And then this guy, he's talking about fucking, he says those God-given rights aren't being threatened by jihadists or redcoats. Redcoats? What, what the redcoats? What fucking, what fucking year do you think it is? <laughs> Wake this motherfucker up. It's like, fuck, what is that guy who slept all those years? The fucking, what's the name? It starts with an R. What the fuck is that? Oh, oh, Rumpelstiltskin. Rumpel- <laughs> no, it's not Rumpel. Is it Rumpelstiltskin? Rumpelstiltskin's different. Uh, Rumpelstiltskin is the one that you like say his name three times or oh, some yeah. shit. It's, fucking, uh, it's a different one. It's like the dude who Yeah, there you go. Slept dude who slept for a hundred years. Hey, it actually was the first thing as I started typing. Rip Van Winkle. Very good. I knew it. Fucking Rip Van Winkle. It's not Rumpelstiltskin. I thought the same thing. I'm like, is it Rumpelstiltskin? No, that's a different dude. Um, that's a different made up dude. <laughs> 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 no, we're Rip Van Winkle. It's like, wake this guy up. Fucking red coats. <laughs> what century are you in, you dumb fuck? Seriously, red coats? And then. You know, that fucking tired old fucking argument about fascism, right? It's like the boogeyman. It's constantly, we constantly got to scare each other about, oh my God, it's fascism. It's anti-gay sodomy laws lead to fascism. Really? Fascism? That's where we're going with this? Do you even know what fascism is? Well, no, they clearly do not know what fascism is. And that's that's the best part. Like, is there's there's no understanding of fascism. You know, and, and the argument here. You know, is like one of the things that I think is interesting. It says those who pleaded for tolerance and demanded equality only intended to do so until they acquired supremacy. Then when they had the advantage, and this is the part that I think is telling, they would make sure that their opponents understood it's not any fun once the rabbit has the gun. And what's he saying there? That previously he had the gun and they were the rabbits. I mean, if he's going to make... If he's going to make an analogy that presents himself now as the unfortunate victim, as the prey in this scenario, then and and he's saying that like, oh, now the tables have turned and we're the ones who are getting, uh, you know, vilified. Doesn't that acknowledge implicitly that you previously were vilifying the others? Like, right. Isn't sure. that isn't that like tacitly acknowledged in the in the wording of that fucking sentence? And. Clearly, he's got no problem with it. Yeah, but rabbits don't know how to use guns. That is true. That's, Rab- well, no, I think that's they can what, plug their finger in the hole, though. That's true. That's very true. And then it blows but up. But that's only if they're wascally. <laughs> what the actual fuck? What the actual fuck? What the fuck? What the actual fucking fuck fuck? What the actual... The actual flying fuck. What the actual fuck? What the actual... Fuck. Is this conservatedia bullshit? What the fuck? What? What? What the actual fuck, conservatedia? 
Conversion therapy, also known as reparative therapy, is treatment that converts someone's sexual attraction from homosexuality to heterosexuality. This therapy has been successful in many cases and has been praised by leading experts such as Anna Freud, daughter of Sigmund Freud. Ms. Freud observed that, nowadays we can cure many more homosexuals than was thought possible in the beginning. Homosexuality is highly correlated to someone's activities and culture. For example, training in baseball and figure skating begin when a boy is only about six years old. After years of engaging in those activities, often for hours each day, upon reaching adulthood, fewer than one in 1,000 baseball players are homosexual, while estimates are that 33% of male figure skaters are, a 300-fold difference after doing different activities. In some cases, the therapy addresses hatred a male patient had for his father while growing up. By repairing that relationship, the therapist can be successful in enabling the patient to become heterosexual. Paul endorses the equivalent of Christian-based conversion therapy in 1 Corinthians 6.11. Predictably, advocates of the homosexual agenda oppose and even seek to prohibit conversion therapy, analogous to how some countries prohibit conversion to Christianity. But conversion therapy remains fully legal and effective in nearly all of the United States, with the exception of recent laws concerning minors which passed in liberal California and New Jersey. Peter La Barbera is the president of Americans for Truth, which is an organization which counters the homosexual agenda. La Barbera stated the following regarding Christian ex-homosexuals who reported being transformed by the power of God. Another factor from my experience as a close observer of the ex-gay phenomenon is that many former homosexuals do not linger in reparative therapy programs or participate in them at all. They attribute their dramatic and relatively rapid transformation to the power of God and likely would not show up in a study of this kind. In fact, these unstudied overcomers would appear to be the most successful ex-homosexuals because they've moved on with their lives as reborn Christians move on after overcoming any besetting sin. Peter La Barbera's statement above concerning overcoming homosexuality certainly has some evidence supporting it. In addition, in 1980, a study was published in the American Journal of Psychiatry, and 11 men participated in the study. The aforementioned study stated that 11 homosexual men became heterosexuals without explicit treatment and or long-term psychotherapy through their participation in a Pentecostal church. The opposition to conversion therapy is sometimes ideologically based, and it directs attention away from the harm that gay affirmative therapy can cause. So this one also comes from rightwingwatch.org. What is with the gay supremacy? Hold on now. What the fuck is up with gay supremacy? I don't know. The gay supremacists are really fucking taking over. When did that become a thing? I don't know. It's it's not a thing. Cecil is a thing. No, it it is a thing. It's clearly a thing. I would love to see a gay supremacist march. Like, can you imagine? (laughs) That's the thing that bothers me is they, 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 they misunderstand that giving someone rights is is now suddenly giving them power over other people. Like it doesn't make it like white supremacy clearly wants to subjugate a whole group of people. Gays don't want to do that. They just want to have equal rights. I just don't understand how that that even equates to their supremacy argument. 
Yeah, you know, and, and that's that's a point totally worth exploring because this this story is Tea Party activist gay supremacy is becoming a monster that carries greater evils than white supremacy ever did. Holy mother fuck. Mary Baker, leader of Conservative Moms for America and a speaker for the Tea Party Express. For those who can't wait for the Tea Party, like for those who don't want to take the Tea Party local. Um, right. No, you, you gotta make sure because it only makes like three stops, and they're all at crazy. You know. <laughs> um, I, I, to even write such a thing, she argues that gay rights activists are motivated by hate and bent on their opponents' utter annihilation. Um, yes, the opponents for gay rights <laughs> activists. You know, and I would say that, like, I will tell you right now. I am bent on the utter annihilation of the opponents for gay rights. I think we should annihilate them, Cecil. We should take anybody with a differing opinion and annihilate them. <laughs> like put them in the Large Hadron Collider. Just whatever and just it takes. Fucking wipe them into just, nothing. I don't something. care. They should just. Be... And I don't even. The thing is, is I don't even know what the Hadron Collider does. I just think it's sciences. You know, I'm just like, like you stick somebody just... in there and it sciences them to death. It's just like. <laughs> I don't know what it does. It's just fucking blah. Whatever happens, happens. It fucking it's like it's like Schrodinger's fucking collider. I don't even know. <laughs> you just put them in there. It's like miles long, and you shut the door, yeah. and they're just like, "Hey, just, just st- turn this thing on." And this is horrible. I'm hungry and thirsty. It's dark in here. <laughs> the thing is, like, it would take you like a like. Could you imagine being set loose on the controls of the Hadron <laughs> Collider? <laughs> It'd just be like they'd be like, turn it on. Be like, fucking turn it on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's got all the fucking doodads and bobbles and fucking knobs and shit. I would love it if they built that thing and it just has one big button. <laughs> just big red button. Fucking enormous button. They're like, they wire the whole thing and it's everything. Or everything should be like evil scientist toggles on the wall. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. and when you hit it, it should be fucking like crash music. Like, yeah. <laughs> or or it, as soon as you hit it, you just hear. <laughs> <laughs> and for no reason, every time you turn it on, the lights dim in the room. <laughs> like, they should just. They're just even, I don't even care if it's just a fucking intern standing at a dimmer switch going. Right, bzz, bzz, right. Bzz, bzz, bzz. Well, and all the interns have to wear hunchbacks, too. <laughs> <laughs> you and I would be fucking awesome scientists. We would be the best scientists. Oh, my God. We would science the fuck out of the science. We That's missed our saying. calling to science we some did. stuff. Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. We totally got off this gay supremacy thing. So, uh. So one of the things that I think is really telling is she talked and I and Tom, can you just read? And I know it's going to be real hard because you've got to get your fucking hillbilly to English dictionary out here. <laughs> but is there any way that you could read that top quote where it starts when white supremacy? Oh, all right. When white supremacy tried to make a mark in American history, it was viciously attacked Quickly put down by the people of our nation. Quickly. Wait, hold on now. We're going to stop there because we're going to say quickly, quickly was what? Over 100 years? What are you <laughs> talking a, about? Yeah. What, what? White supremacy was a thing for hundreds of years. Several yeah. hundred years there was yeah. slavery in this country. We had segregation until the 50s, was it? Holy motherfuck. That's a real thing someone said out loud. <laughs> are you kidding? Gets, like sometimes yeah, it's. No. Yeah. Baffling. Wow. But gay supremacy 
is becoming a monster that carries greater evils than white supremacy ever did. Said no black person ever. Yeah, uh, right. White, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> white supremacy was focused on how a group of people felt about another group of people. They created various barriers for those they hated, and their views about their superiority to others provided... I love the past tense. Provided the framework for the citizens of this nation to search their hearts <laughs> and understand that God has created every person in his image. However, gay supremacy's hate <laughs> reaches much farther than a specific group of people. Theirs, there, there, wrong there, I can't. There is no common <laughs> ground that can afterwards. be reached. There is no searching of the heart for consideration of God's principles. Their hate is generated only by self-centeredness and hate <laughs> for anyone who disagrees with them. All right. So I want to try to unpack a little bit of this because they're talking about how white supremacy essentially focused people uh, to sort of look to God for their direction and find the right way is what they're sort of saying. And there's no way. That if you look at gay supremacy, there's no way that that can lead you down the right path that God wants. And so we found a, a, a thing called evilbible.com where they talk about slavery. And if you, you know, if you if you extend out white supremacy to its logical conclusion, I think I don't think anybody would argue that slavery is not the logical conclusion to white supremacy. Um, so we should actually read one of these or one or two of these passages from the Bible that talk about. Well, it means essentially the logical extension of white supremacy. Well, why don't we start with Leviticus, Cecil? Sure. However, you may purchase male or female slaves from among the foreigners who live among you. You may also purchase the children of such resident foreigners, including those who have been born in your land. You may treat them as your property passing them on to your children as a permanent inheritance. You may treat your slaves like this, but the people of Israel, your relatives, must never be treated this way. Tell me that's not, I mean, perfectly in line with what white supremacy is. How is it not? It's even in line right. with what she specifically says. She specifically says, White supremacy was focused on how a group of people felt about another group of people, such as not the people of Israel. Right. Right. Exactly. Specifically in Leviticus, how the fuck are you going to use the Bible to search your heart to get rid of slavery when slavery is expressly condoned in this book? Listen to this one, Tom. This one is from Exodus. When a man strikes his male or female slave with a rod so hard that the slave dies under his hand, he shall be punished. If, however, the slave survives for a day or two, he is not punished since the slave is his own property. That's your fucking inerrant word of God yeah. right there. That's the fucking inerrant word of God. That's what, you know, that's what we're, that's what the nation, Tom, is turning away from. It's just turning away from all that good old, you know, old fashioned morals that we're just losing because we're letting these gays run everything. Yeah. Those lousy gays and they're not having slaves ever. <laughs> that's so silly. You know, the gays would really be better off if they had slaves. At least they'd be Bible thumping gays. Let's not discount that there may be a few uh, BSDM 
gays out there who do have slaves. So <laughs> we're gonna get mail from them, right? right. Like yeah. I have, been, I have a slave, yeah. and they're gonna threaten yeah. to put a ball gag on you, Tom. <laughs> You're a dick. Oh, be nice. Oh, my son doesn't stand a chance. The whole world's gone gay. Oh my God, what's happening now? We work hard. We play hard. <laughs> So this story comes from uh, politic. What is that? Political ticker, the CNN blog. Mike Huckabee, not homophobic, but on the right side of the Bible. Well, Cecil, that fucking clears it up. Oh he's yeah, he's not homophobic. Yeah. He's just on the look. Look, he doesn't have anything against gays. He's not a hater, Cecil. He says so himself. He's not a hater. Why don't we let his words speak for him? Here's here's Mike. We're going to split him up into two pieces. But uh, this, again, comes from CNN. If only we could split him into two pieces. I know. Kidding, right? Um, fucking Solomon is ass. So here we go. We're going to we're going to play the first part of of Mike's little diatribe. I'm not against anybody. I'm really not. I'm not a hater. I'm not homophobic. I, I honestly don't care what people do personally in their individual lives. But I tell you. The reason when people say, well, why don't you just kind of get on the right side of history? I said, you got to understand, this for me is not about the right side or the wrong side of history. This is the right side of the Bible. And unless God rewrites it, edits it, sends it down with his signature on it, it's not my book to change. Folks, that's why I stand where I stand. Clear as a bell. You know, it occurs to me that maybe you're reading the wrong fucking book, bro. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. A fucking rocket scientist, but uh, you know, if your book is full of fucking hate and uh, and basically preaches some sort of action against homosexuals because you feel icky around them, then maybe you should look up another book. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! It's not my fault. My God is a bloodthirsty cretin. I mean, right, that's not. Exactly, look, hey, right? whoa! It doesn't make me a hater. It just makes my God a hater. Right? Like that's. I mean, that's kind of. He's like saying, whoa, right. whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on a minute. Now, I don't hate people, but my God, that motherfucking guy really hates him. I'll tell you, that guy can bring the hate. Man. Exactly. What a dick that (laughs) God is. But me, no, I'm cool. I'm cool. There's more logic in like playing a game of slug bug than what he just (laughs) said. I, I would hate to have to defend why I'm why I'm knowingly not on the right side of history. I know. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how do you knowingly defend that? Like, look, hey, I know history is going to judge me harshly. <laughs> but I had to kill six million Jews. Hey, look, they're going to look on this in the future. and They're going to be a little critical. <laughs> just, just, just a little critical. Well, you know, I, I've got a sign. I, I actually I feel bad for him, though, because I, I, too, have a an original signed copy of the Bible <laughs> signed by God. Right. Um, yeah. You know, edited by God. Yeah. Like every single thing. It's like edited. Special thanks to God. You know, like you could the introduction by God. You can tell it's a first edition because the copyright is year zero. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> that's how you know it's not fucking around. Here's a second um, piece of uh, a piece of Huckabee yammering. So it's a little longer. 
Look, I'm not trying to be some wacko way out there. <laughs> Too late, I'm bro. About the basic <laughs> I'm not trying to. The <laughs> rights we have as an American citizen. And while those rights are being stripped from us by the IRS, the NSA, and the TSA, I want you to think about the fact that in New Mexico, you've got a photographer who refused to take photos of a same-sex wedding. And this week, the extreme court decided it would not hear that case, which basically says that if you are extreme a Christian court. believer and you just do not feel that it is in your artistic interest or within your artistic capacity, artistic capacity to do photos of a same-sex wedding, then the government will force you to do it. Okay, let me ask this government a question. If I go to a Muslim artist and ask the Muslim artist to paint me a picture of Mohammed, Mohammed, will the government stand behind me and force that artist to paint me a picture of Mohammed? Yes or no in this country? The answer is no. So I'm asking this. Why is it that Christians stand back and take it in the teeth time and time and time again? But we cannot change this country if we don't rise up and at least vote and vote with an informed mind and a committed spirit. And if we're not willing to stand alone. I, you know, here's here's what I got to ask him, though. Uh, let's just say that that painting somehow gave you rights to own property. Then it would be really important, wouldn't it? Then it would be something that you'd need to have in order to say own property. So then maybe we could make some arguments about it. But instead, it's just like, oh, well, maybe I would force somebody to do something that they didn't want to do. Okay, great. But there's nothing so important as equal rights hanging over it. Well, look, it, the, the analogy is so grossly imperfect, right? Like in one of them, somebody is being denied a good or a service that the other person typically provides, right? Right. So this other person typically provides this good or service in exchange for money as part of their job and is not allowed to discriminate who they provide that service to versus the second example where somebody never does this thing ever. And no party has any specific interest in forcing this person to do it. Like nobody is being like nobody's being harmed in the second example by the refusal. There's no could you, harmed could you imagine, party. That's like that's like saying, well, you know, what if there was an impressionist painter and I wanted him to paint something realistic? Would the government force him to do it? Well, no, no dummy. Because <laughs> it's not it. his fucking style of art, stupid. Like fucking like this is the this is the easiest analogy to poke holes in. And, you know, I want to go back to the fact that it's, you know, there's a lot that hangs on being married. You know, there's a lot of rights you get that you just don't have as a single person. You know, I get rights to my wife's property. I get rights to, you know, see her when she's sick. I get end of life rights for, you know, whether or not we're going to pull the plug. I get to decide how her, you know, her, you know, it's all really horrible shit. It turns out right. I'm talking, I mean, it's really for, sort of focused on death in a lot of ways, um, you know, or if she becomes, you know, incapacitated in some way. But expect, I mean, it's, you know, that's when you really need the fucking rights. It's not when fucking everything's fucking goddamn puppy dogs and rainbows that you need the rights. It's when fucking shit turns pear shaped. That's when you need the goddamn rights. So, 
you know, the idea that we're we're denying them rights and then to make some sort of light about it and be like, oh, well, I can't make them paint Muhammad. And then all the fucking dumb yokels in the audience are like, you can't make them paint Muhammad. Guess not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's this painting themselves as victims that is the most pathetic response. Like it's the least powerful response to a situation, right? I mean, what other situation, Cecil, can you imagine where you say, well, I think I should definitely respond to this by painting myself as a fucking hapless victim? Really? Wow, that's a great fucking plan. You know, how the fuck are you supposed to elicit my respect for your viewpoint when your entire... uh, you know, point is predicated on, hey, I want to be mean and I want to be small minded and I want to be petty and I want to deny people the ability to see loved ones in the hospital, but the government won't let me. And doesn't that make you sad that I can't be mean to people for Jesus? <laughs> you know, it's funny. You 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 have a great point that it's pathetic. But one of the things that I think um politicians and it's not just one side but i think politicians in this country have gotten very 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 good at is understanding that human beings really do like the underdog right um and they put them they pit themselves as the underdog in every single conflict there can't be an underdog on both sides you know what i mean like it's like it's impossible for there to be an underdog on both sides but they they do it anyway because they know their side is going to eat that shit up and uh, and I think, you know, one of the things that we should start doing is, you know, paying attention when our side does it too. you know, painting themselves as the underdog. There's going to be a time in this country where gay rights are going to be the norm and they're not going to be the underdog anymore. That's true. And, you know, I think that I think that at that point, if they still start playing that that role, then, you know, somebody's got to say, hey, you're not the underdog. These are the right. But, you know, I don't think that the underdog, you know, that that sort of thing doesn't matter when it comes to logic it only comes to fruition it only comes to play when you're dealing with emotions and i think that you know you can't watch fucking mike huckabee and be ready to fucking ride the logic train you know what i mean like like you clearly you have a ticket that will not be punched today (laughs) that's basically what's gonna happen you know you get a free ride on the fucking cuckoo train and you get a free ride on the emotion train right i mean the guy's clearly a good speaker right and when i when you first hear him talk and the way he talks he's he's there to sway people he's not there to sway them with you know good arguments he's there to sway them with rhetoric and he's good at it right so you know you've got it you just got to be you know it's real easy to sit back and point out all the dumb argument that he has but if you were to sit down with somebody who's in his audience you're never going to convince him that that analogy is a bad one you want answers i think i'm entitled you want answers i want the truth you can't handle the truth so see so this story is just fucking weird it's from <laughs> boston.com Alleged waymouth arsonist tells police he set fire for God. Um, this fucking wackadoo burned down a uh, an adult store, like a adult bookstore type of place, and he told the police that he did it, Cecil, because God hates porn. Oh, I thought he was trying to roast a tabernacle. I had no <laughs> idea. I thought... If God hates porn so much, why is my computer not on fire? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't the entire internet not on right? fire, right? Like, right. for all the stuff God hates, um, God doesn't really do much about it 
and he sure no. makes it awfully easy for me to get it. Right. Well, and the other thing, too, is like, okay, well, if God really wanted you to be burning things down, wouldn't he have made it so you didn't get caught, stupid? Yeah, like, <laughs> I know. Yeah, way to so go, So you can continue God. on on your, yeah. your porn burning spree or whatever you're doing? It's like God is like the worst person to have on your side. Oh, like yeah. Like ever. Like he's your buddy. Like God is your buddy that's like, hey, we should go TP that house. And as soon as he sees the flashing lights, he runs faster than you. Right. He's your total dickhead friend who like depances somebody in front of you and then hides behind right, you. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like lets you take one to the chin. Right, exactly. Clearly they're he's he's in a group of people, you know, obviously in a group of people that demonize sexuality. And it's it's one of those things that I just don't understand because these people still have children. You know what I mean? These people are still having children, but they just like like they they don't like all sex. It's only like missionary sex with the lights out and both of you thinking about Jesus and a lamb or something, you know? <laughs> like that's the only way that you can actually have sex. Well, yeah, I mean the, the thing is like it's it's that whole like, well, sex is just for procreation. Well, then you're a really boring person. No kidding. Like and you right? are missing out. That's like saying like food is fuel. Well, food is yeah. just fuel. Wow. Way to just like deny one of your basic senses. That's awesome. Like what, well, you know what? Why, why don't we just stop listening to music and throw away all of our art? Why don't we just become crazy fucking fundamentalist Muslims then? Sure. And we should all wear burlap, right? You know what exactly. I mean? Just be like, well, so we never fucking, feel anything nice on feel. our skin. It does. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We don't care how our clothes feel. All we need to do is protect ourselves from the elements and burlap does a fine job. <laughs> I'm itchy just thinking about wearing burlap. Made from 100% real burlap. Yes, burlap. It sucks. Get yours today. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. It, it, it's, there's, there, there's, a, there's just an unfunness to their life that just seems so sad. It's that anti-sensualist movement. And I'm not saying that, you know, necessarily that they're missing out because they're not partaking in pornography. I mean, you know, clearly don't partake in what you don't want to partake in. That's fine. But going out of your way to destroy pornography, you know, destroy a business, clearly a business, um, because you felt like they needed to be have some sort of retribution because you couldn't fucking control your own fucking wackadoo. You know what I mean? Right. Like this guy clearly couldn't keep his hands off his cock. And you're just like, okay, well, dude, you know, just fucking elicit a little more self-control. Don't burn down the store. Get your hand out of your pants. You know, Cecil, that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is like, maybe we should just burn down everything a group disagrees with. So liquor stores should be burnt down for sure. Cause like the Muslims don't like that, you sure, know, and sure. any place that sells pork, just fucking light it on fire. Who gives right, a shit? Right. And any place that sells clothes of mixed fabrics, like just fucking burn that down while we're at it. And burn down all your televisions because there's graven right. images galore. So we should definitely right. burn down like anything with a photo or a statue. So like we can all just let's just live in caves. You know what? Fuck I it. I think Cecil. we're running. Let's just I live in caves and fucking gnaw on bones again. We're almost gonna have to because we're clearly running out of things. <laughs> We've at burnt this point. it all. Burn it all. <laughs> We've burnt all of the things. All right, so we have two podcasts we've got to mention. Um, the first uh, is a podcast. We have a link to it. Uh, this podcast is called Being Humanist. I haven't had an opportunity to listen to any podcast recently, but I'm hopefully going to get a chance to listen to Being Humanist this week. I'm going to put a link to it on this week's show. Keith sent us a message. 
hoping we could plug his podcast. Keith uh, Keith also asked for a little bit of feedback. Hopefully, I'll be able to listen to it this week, Keith, and give you some feedback. Tom, of course, will not. Oh, no, I'm not. I don't listen to podcasts. I think they're fucking I know, awful. I know, fucking podcasts are terrible. I don't know what Who would fucking listen the to other, one of those things? The other podcast that we got a, a message from Corey, and Corey has a has a uh, a podcast, and you can find it at brainstormblog.net. I am going to put a link to uh, Corey's podcast. Corey, again, I haven't had an opportunity to listen to these, but you can find them both on this episode, episode 146 on Cognitive Dissonance. Uh, dissonancepod.com uh, go ahead and give them a listen I, like I say I'm going to be listening to them myself this week we got an interesting uh, this is a this is an email from Greg again Tom Greg had uh, given us a bunch of suggestions about uh, how to change the podcast essentially turn our podcast into skeptics guide to the universe we didn't take any of those because we're not that smart but uh, but Greg has more he says, uh, anyway, I do have one more suggestion in the introduction you always end with and there is no welcome, Matt. Every time I hear this, I expect you to say, and there is no warning sign, despite the introduction effectively being a warning sign. I even had to listen to the intro again as I wrote this to make sure I got it the right way around. This generates genuine cognitive dissonance for me, as on the one hand, I love the podcast, but on the other, I've been listening since your first incredulous appearance, and the fact that I can't get it right by now makes me feel like a fucking idiot. As I know I'm not a fucking idiot, I have to assume it is something wrong with the show. Hence the dissonance. If you could drop this simple <laughs> sentence, I'm sure right. I and all of your other listeners who are incapable of remembering one simple line without getting confused would be much happier. Uh, I still get confused about the line. Actually, right, he has to read I A long time ago, I thought to myself, like as I was reading it, um, when I say we bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence. I thought irrelevance would have also been a funny line in there. Right. And now every time I think it in my head, I think, and irrelevance. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to sort of give myself pause not to fuck it up. I've done this Greg, 146 times. <laughs> Greg, Greg, keep sending these because these are great. These, I mean, you clearly, you understand the nature of the show, I think, better than we do. So clearly you should keep sending these in. These are awesome. We got a message uh, from uh, from Bart and uh, Bart sent in uh, the image that we posted for last episode. He actually had a caption. So, Tom, do you want to read the caption? He did for his uh, it, for his uh, it was now the now the image you can find it on last episode, episode 145. Uh, and on the episode uh, we talked about, um, I guess it's David who's hugging a lamb after he had killed a bear and like punched it and broke his skull open and the bear's got his little tongue hanging out behind him. And David's looking a little like he's he's really sort of sweet talking this lamb. And then he gave it this caption. My life changed forever. We met in the men's room of the Iowa 80. Your fleece <laughs> is so soft, just like your tongue. Unlike, you know, who's back there. You know what happens to those with rough tongues, don't you? Hush now. <laughs> I love that the tongue is sticking out <laughs> and it's tied the bear. That's great. Thank you, Bart. That was awesome. That's great. We got a message from Jason again, and Jason had sent us a bunch of music and said, hey, if you want to use it, you can. We hadn't, uh, because a lot of our music is sort of canned, we hadn't had a chance to use it, but we put it on a file for future use. But one of the things I said is if he ever found a place to put his music, we would happily link to it. 
So uh, he has all 14 of his songs available right now on Bandcamp for a buck. So if you're interested in going uh, checking out uh, Jason's music, we're going to put a link on this episode, episode 146. Uh, hope you'll, hopefully you'll go check it out and, and give his stuff a listen. That was a really cool thing to do. Thank you, Jason. We got an uh, interesting email from Matt, Tom. We did. Um, Matt says, uh, here in Australia, when we have our federal election on a Saturday, the new government takes office Monday. No lame ducks, just bam, fuck off, next government. Do you think a system like that could work in the U.S.? I think that supposes the idea that a system could work in the U.S. Right, yeah. I think <laughs> it presupposes the system. Yeah, I was. what I said to Tom was, in order to get that changed, the amount of political capital you would need, uh, you could get something, I think, more worthwhile for the American people changed. And I don't think anybody would waste it on getting the, you know, whether or not you're a lame duck in office. And and one thing I do want to point out, too, Tom and I were discussing this earlier. One thing I do want to point out is that while GW was a lame duck, he gave uh, gave away. Gosh, how much was it, Tom? A hundred billion dollars uh, to uh, it was a gargantuan sum of money. Yeah, it was remember. a lot was of money. He hundreds gave, of, actually, hundreds I think it was of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars. Of billions yeah. Actually, I thought it was close to it. Like, wasn't it like a three quarters of a trillion? I thought it was seven hundred billion. Was back. the number for yeah. TARP? I think. Yeah. yeah. So it was close to three quarters yeah. of a trillion dollars he gave to banks. Yeah. Uh, in when funds. he was, I mean, Obama at that point, I think was elected. He was consulting with him, but clearly Bush was making the calls. And so lame ducks can get some things done. Uh, but I think that's an interesting thing. I mean, I, I think I, I think that many other countries have figured out the government system way better than we have. And Tom, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about how laws, how weird laws are. Um, we have such strange laws in this country that were pertain to different things and how penalties sort of range in sort of really weird ways. And some things can be felonies that don't feel like they're felonies and other things are misdemeanors. And you're like, well, that's clearly not a misdemeanor. Like it right. really wanted to hurt somebody or something. And so it feels like each law got made individually and they didn't look at sort of a scale in which they chose punishment. At, this, at least that's what it feels like for certain laws, especially. Um, and especially when a politician gets a hard on about a certain type of crime that they want to put down, they almost always up the, the limits for things and do they sort of go after that group, that subsect of criminals. And that gets hugely distorted in these term, the, the amount of time that those people have to serve, et cetera. And it just feels like a really weird system. And I think other countries have such better systems. I mean, there's, you know, I think if you were to start all over from scratch, you could probably make a really fucking awesome system, but you know, starting all over from scratch, this isn't an option. No, it's not. You know, I'm, I'll be honest, Matthew, like the first thing that occurs to me here is like, you say here in Australia, when we have our federal election on a Saturday and I think we have ours on Tuesdays. Yeah. Oh yeah. We can't even get that piece done, you know, and, know. and we never will revise that because there's a big chunk of the um, folks making decisions who don't want voter turnout and voter turnout would be greatly improved by having elections on a weekend. Instead, we have them on a fucking Tuesday. We can't even fix that. Yeah, I I'm, I'm right there with you. I think that that's just, I mean, it's just absurd that we don't have, uh, we don't have the day off for, taken i mean just you know it's an important thing but clearly australia though don't they have a i i had thought that they had a law in place that requires them 
to uh, to vote. Like there's an actual requirement. You get penalized if you don't vote. Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't know if I. I don't know how I feel about that. About being required to vote. I think I think you should vote, but about being required to vote, I don't know about that. But I think the government should make it as fucking easy as possible to vote. Should encourage people to engage the system. Um, I'm a, I'm a carrots rather than sticks guy on that subject. We want to make a want to take a moment to thank the newest patrons. Uh, we I want to thank uh, Kaylee, Tim, Z. This is my favorite one. Gloria Hole. That was awesome. <laughs> Mark, William, Matt, Cameron, Keovar, Stuart, Steve S, and Austin. Thanks so much for uh, for being a patron of the show. Remember that we have a couple of uh, goals on the side. Uh, if we get 350 per podcast, it looks like we're going to be trying to do six shows a month. Only four of those would be pay shows. If we get $500 per podcast, if we work our way up to that, we're willing to do two shows a week. Uh, so if you can get us to our goals, uh, you get more shows. And you get more free shows because we won't charge people right. for those shows. That they clearly would just be four shows a month. Uh the other thing, too, is we added a few uh, incentives. So if you go check out our Patreon page, uh, five bucks a month gets you a, a ringtone uh, if you stick with it for a couple months. And uh, you'll get a shirt uh, if you have a, you're a patron for, uh, for a $10 amount for a certain amount of time. So go check out what you get. We're thinking about adding a few more here and there. And if we add them, don't worry. Uh, if we add a special uh, little extra You'll get it if you're a patron already for that amount. And, you know, you can always change your amount. But we want to thank everybody who who gives us money. It's it's super awesome that you guys go into your pocketbook to support the show. And uh, and we want to mention that this month we are giving away all the money that we get. So uh, so for for the entire month of April, we're giving away all of our Patreon money and it's going to a charity that the patrons choose. We have five charities that we've chosen uh, you can go ahead and, and if you're a patron, you can vote. Uh, all you have to do is look on activity under Patreon on Patreon.com. There'll be a, a post that's uh, that's called Charity Vote. April's patron uh, goes to the charity of your choice. That's the name of the post, and you can click on it. And it's a survey that I created. You can sign, and if you're a patron, you can actually activate it, and uh, and you can vote on what charity gets the money. And I think that uh, it'll be great to give. Some of this money back to uh, to a charity that you guys get to choose. Yeah, I can't. I actually can't wait for this part. I can't wait to be able to use um, the, the the generosity of our listeners to you know make things a little better, um, and specifically to do that in a way that's um, engaged by our listeners. Um, so really grateful um, to have the opportunity to do this. Thank all of you very much. So we're going to end the show today with the with the Skeptics Creed as usual, but we're going to play after the Skeptics Creed. We got a a lengthy bit from uh, from John and John. I had polled the audience asking if uh, if there were any black heterosexuals in the audience who would be uh, taken away by any gay homo demons. Uh, white was it? White gay homo white demons? Homo I think demons, that's what it was. Yeah. White homo yeah. demons. So, uh, so if, if there were any, uh, black heterosexuals, what, what do you think? And so he answered the question. So if you stick around after the skeptics creed, uh, you'll get a chance to hear, uh, John's response. One more thing we forgot to mention is that we are on two shows this week. We were on atheistically speaking twice this week. 
with the show that was released uh, last Monday and the show that released on Thursday. That show 21 and 22. Uh, we're going to put a link on this episode's show notes, episode 146. We also appeared, uh, just before we recorded the show, we just appeared on Shit Talking Skeptics, hosted by Ross from Skeptically Challenged. We were on there with Jake. It's a Jake is the only one on video, but it is uh, available on YouTube. We're going to link to that episode as well uh, on this episode, episode 146. So here's a Skeptic's Creed, and uh, be sure to stick around afterwards to hear John and uh, the message that he sent to us. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death in towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques, and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and views expressed in this show are that of the hosts only. Our poorly formed and expressed notions do not represent those of our wives, employers, friends, families, or of the local dairy council. Hey guys, during the 49 minute mark of episode number 143, um, 4011-teen by Tom's counting, Cecil put forth the following question to the show's black male listeners. If you're a heterosexual black male, what are the chances a white homo is going to take you away? Guys, as a faithful and black listener of your show, I will answer your question. My brain's uh, wiring is such that the chances of a same-sex tryst for me would be less than 1%. Now, I execute a fair number of squat thrusts thrice daily when I'm puttering about in my home garden. As such, my gluteals are maximized to a higher plane of adamantine vigor. So... If a homo demon were to attempt to penetrate me, I would merely squeeze my butt cheeks together and snap his dick off, and then, sans hands, fling his member into my compost pile. But if Ian McKellen came armed with a bottle of Nivea skin lotion 
and a flagon of two-buck chuck from Trader Joe's? Well, oh shit, baby, let's get it on. And, and if it's a really good-looking white homo demon with a knurled pulsating phallus that hooks just the right way to massage my prostate and milk me, milk me, milk me like an epileptic Jersey maid having a grand mall seizure. Yes, yes, oh God, yes. Oh, uh, I lost my kind of thought. Uh, what, what I want to say is that at the end of this month, I will be attending my honorary nephew's bar mitzvah. The, the synagogue he attends is a very reformed one. So much so, in fact, that the rabbi is a rib woman, a vagina-bleeding skirt, if you will. Meanwhile, other members of the synagogue include sodomites, race mixers, and daughters of Sappho. Oh my. And inevitably, during the after-surface reception and party, there will be dancing and merrymaking. So, uh, as one of the 9.25 black men in America who cannot and will not dance, I may nevertheless be dragged bodily onto the dance floor by a white homo. Perhaps by the two of whom I share a passing acquaintance. Thusly, may a white homo, quote, take me away, unquote, if indeed one considers Ashkenazi Jews to be white. Therefore, Tom and Cecil, must I give you a revised figure of greater than 20% for my possible abduction. I hope, gentlemen, I have been of some small service to you in your sociological polling at the intersection of supernatural miscegenation and ofe buggery. I am always, good sirs, your most humble servant. <laughs>